you are listening to the Body of Christ Church podcast. Today's message will be from Pastor Teran C. Smith. We hope it blesses you. Last week, we quoted a scripture from Romans chapter 10, uh, verse 2. And uh, not as though this is in the message, but just kind of recognizing um, the importance and the value that how many understand your faith and your closeness with God is likewise can be increased or enhanced by the knowledge that you have of God. Is everybody with me? Right? Scripture says that though they have a zeal for God, but it's not according to what? Knowledge, right? So we want to grow in our knowledge. And it's not based on how smart you are, how fast you read, but we're wanting to follow Jesus, who is a person, not a book. That was a good person. That, that, was, a, that was a good place for a good, hearty amen right there, right? I know some of us are intellectually stimulated, but what about the rest of us? Are you with me? <laughs> amen, right? I know some of you all were 4.0. I got that, right? But some of us graduated in the portion of the class that made the other 90% possible. Are you with me? <laughs> Are you with me, man? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I think I only graduated with like 93 people. I went to a small school, whatever. But I want you to understand, I'm not embarrassed to tell you right now because that was a bunch of years ago, amen? But I helped the other two-thirds get their grades. Are you with me? Amen. If they got into a good school, I helped them. Are you with me? <laughs> Praise God. But right now, I'm so thankful that Jesus gave me the understanding of who he was because I could follow a person maybe despite on what my IQ or my ACT score was. I can't get any help up in here. Amen. So we're going to talk about our doxology, our what? Doxology. Our what? Doxology. Acts chapter 16 and one of the most famous phrases from one of the most famous doxologies is praising the God from whom all blessings flow. Everybody said amen. amen. So what is our doxology? What does the word doxology even mean? In its most simplistic form, it means to study praise unto God or expressions of praise unto God. So doxology means to study praise unto God or expressions of praise Unto God. So therefore, we have our doxology, Acts chapter 16, study of expression and expressions of praise unto God. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. The word doxology defined means the word doxology comes from the Greek. Doxo is two different parts together. Doxo, which means glory. Read that with me. Glory, splendor, or grandeur, right? And how many know that God deserves that? Amen. How many understand that God deserves that? Well, I'm going to convince you of this. Despite our outward condition, God is still glorious. Everybody with me? So therefore, doxo means his glory or splendor, and then logos is word or speaking. So when we talk about a doxology, we're talking about a praising and or giving glory. A praising or giving glory. Say that with me. A praising or giving glory. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor? I don't have to be, have to be confused, about confused about doxology. Cause in simplicity, in simplicity, it just means praise and give God glory. Everybody got that? Amen. Amen. All right. Before we go into this portion, and you can turn to Acts chapter 16, I just want to share with you my heart as a shepherd's heart is passed, right? And a care for sheep and, and maybe... I feel uh, a bit humbled or a bit meek about this in the sense that um, I, 
you know, I think we need to understand that uh, people that do public speaking and pastors, I mean, I know a great deal of senior pastors, um, itinerant speakers, you know, all those types of things. And you know what? We make up a bunch of people that are oftentimes the most humbled because, not even, even because of Christ, but because you're always under fire. I'm not, looking, I'm not looking for your attention. I'm trying to get you to hear some, right? So it really puts me in a place oftentimes where I know that sometimes I say things that's not good or, you know, you walk away and you're like, man, I don't understand him at all. And I don't even know how I get, to, get you to come back the next week. Amen. Thank God we got a good praise and worship. I know you're really here for that. Amen. <laughs> it would look kind of embarrassing that as soon as they finished, they, you left too. And I thought you was going over to children's church, but you was really just leaving. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but, but the issue is, so in, in, in reflection and in true meekness and humility, I just recognize, you know what? Well, how can I say this in the most simplistic way that people get it? Everybody with me? So the issue is we're wanting to share this series because we're wanting to teach everyone. This is the almost if you get this one part, it, it would bless you everywhere, naturally, spiritually, supernaturally, in your natural way, in your finances. It'll bless your relationship. It'll bless you to have more peace. It'll cause you to be healing in your physical body, have your broken heart be mended. How many understand if it got this part to go from the word from the what the word. from what the word. who is Jesus? John chapter 1, Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. He is the word, all caps, the word. And if we can go from the word, we need to learn how to go from the word to a word. To what? Which word about Jesus do I need for my life in these situations and circumstances? Everybody with me? So that's the purpose of wanting to go through our doxology so you can understand that. What we are doing is doing this very practically, and that is reading and explaining Scripture. What are we doing? Reading and explaining Scripture. For the purposes of these three things, to the following of Jesus throughout generations. How many understand the reason Jesus is Lord, he is the Son of God, he is truth, he is Savior, is because he has been proven to be faithful through more than just the day. Amen? I want you to know Jesus was saving people long before we became an embryo. How many know Jesus was causing people's finances to be overturned and keep marriages together long before we saw her over there, which we had to go holler at her? I can't get any help up in here. (laughs) My point being is that Jesus has been son of God, savior throughout generations. And because some people have lived with him, we can gain a lot to learn from them. Amen. So therefore, we're going to learn from the scriptures. The other reason we're reading and explaining scripture is to BCC's belonging, beliefs, and behaviors. In understanding the belonging, here is why we believe these things. And this is why our behaviors, why we do certain things. Sister Monique talked about the waving of the flag today. Well, you say, man, we don't do that. I mean, how can we do that anyway while I'm holding the hymnal anyway? You know, I don't know how we could do that. You know, but we do that here. But there's reasons. There's beliefs behind it. Everybody with me? And therefore, we call those expressions. We call them what? And the last thing about reading and explaining scripture is to the application relevant to today. To the application relevant to today. So therefore, our doxology Acts chapter 16, 
This is the study and expressions of praise unto God, and we're going to do it today reading from Acts chapter 16, verses 1 to 10. Okay, so we're going to break this down, and we're going to read right now. And so if you need to follow along or uh, whatever you have need of, um, I'm just going to ask that you would do that. Who has New Living Translation? Do you? Yeah, please, Justina, do that. All right, please follow along as she reads Acts chapter 16, verses 1 to 10. It's not, uh, can we get that microphone on? The round one? Thank you. Paul went first to Darb and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. Then that night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across the island of Samothrace. And the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we stayed there several days. Did you stop at 10? Oh. Oh. Okay. All right. Thank you. Everybody said amen. amen. Here's good for your notes right here. Today we study verses 1 to 10, A, young adult disciples, verses 1 to 2, young adult disciples. B, multi-ethnic value and expression in people. Today we speak about strengthen in faith. Today, we talk about Holy Spirit-led, and last, we talk about visions, and everybody said amen. In verses 1 to 2, we discovered uh, this mention, notice it, underline it in a visible or make it highlighted in your Bible. We talk about this person named Timothy, and it calls him a young disciple. It calls him a what? A what kind of disciple? A, a young disciple. And I just want to talk about the young people of God. Amen. And I know that I call myself growing younger because I do that. Amen. Some of y'all probably don't feel young. Are you with me? But if you right now or within what we could call in Spanish, hoveness, which they call it all the way up to 30 something. But just for today, let's just go up to the age of, let's say, 27. Now, I know I'm going to make the 28-year-olds upset. But 
for the 20 up to 27, can I just get a big shout out that if you are a young adult disciple, you're about to hear something about you and give God a big praise offering if you are that. Amen? Amen. Wow, thank you. Another growing younger woman of God like me. If you are under the age of 30, would you give the Lord a big praise offering in Jesus' name? Listen, the reason we talk about young adult disciples and talk about Timothy is because young adult disciples are full of hope. Come on, right? They're full of hope. They're full of energy and without barriers. What barriers? How me understand that when you grow in your life with Christ, there comes a part of life. Even Jesus says in John 16, that they're in this life. You will have trials and tribulations, but be not afraid for I have overcome the world. But how me understand if you've seen a lot of that for a few too many years, you begin to be tainted by Cain. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so therefore, what we do understand, and I know that maybe that didn't stimulate your faith, but help me understand, that's why I call myself growing younger, because I'm not growing older. I'm growing younger because in my inward man is renewed day by day. I see Jesus doing new things in me every day. And plus, if you really want to challenge me, you obviously don't know how long eternity is. I'm going to be with him forever. So therefore, when we talk about a young adult saint, we're talking about when you first start. And I think sometimes we who've been in Christ a little while get a little tougher on the young adult saints. The reason I'm saying that is because they don't know this. They don't know that. And I want to remind us, remember, we didn't know that. (laughs) If you remember, you came into that revelation after a few bumps and hits. Oh, I'm going to trust God for everything. (laughs) Right? (laughs) <laughs> Amen. And then when we see young adults go through, we're like, they'll see them young people. What? You just confessed you're older. You know what? No, don't do that. Just come on. Show them the goodness of God. Pick them back up. Dust them back off and give them an encouraging word that lets them know that Jesus is still with them. Say young adults. They come to this place, and I love this teaching, is you remember when they're going to take the promised land or go in and take Jericho, there was a young man and there was an old man because you need them both. You had a Joshua and you had a Caleb. New Testament, you have John and you have Peter. You see, that's supposed to be together where the old and the new come together. But we've got to learn how, if you remember, I love this teaching, right? In the New Testament, who got to the grave first? Come on now, don't be trying to play me, right? John got to the grave first and had to wait on Peter because <laughs> Peter was older. Are you with what I'm saying? But get the next part of the revelation. Once they got to the tomb, who went in the tomb first? Peter did. You see, you need each other. You need the natural and you need the faith. You need the energy and you need the experience. And what we want to learn how to do is to appreciate one another. Somebody say amen. But how I many know young people say well able? We were sit we were sitting with a couple the other day, and and uh, one 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 issue is that in a young situation you like we can do it. And I understand other people sitting around can be all like, hmm. Well, we first got to do that. Well, you can't do that. You need the resources for that. Well, you got to have a strategic plan for that. How I many understand young people don't go like that? <laughs> right. So how many understand we cannot snuff out their dreams because we know how to do it already? 
Come on, somebody. So here's the next point is that this, a genuine generation for Jesus in young adult years, we've got to be able to pass who we know beyond what they know. Somebody say amen. Amen. Say young adult disciple. And the same thing happens in the scripture because Paul recognizes that this young man named Timothy was going to be of great value to him. So he realized he, you know, modern day terminologies, we use the word mentor, but that's not in the Bible. He discipled him just as Jesus discipled his people. Somebody say amen. So we've got to learn that we've got to learn how to disciple young adults and young adults got to learn how we want to release you to do everything that God's put in your heart to do. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Praise God. What I want to do is I want to talk about multi-ethnic value and expression. In verse one, you got to see this translation here, right? We find out in study that Timothy, this is so relevant here, right? Timothy is born, look, Timothy is born to a Jewish mother who becomes a Christian. We know that from 2 Timothy chapter 1. But his father was a Greek. Everybody with me? Can I break it down? That means Timothy was multi-ethnic. That's powerful. He was multi-ethnic. He came from a multicultural background. So therefore, as Timothy... He was Greek. This is why we see, I got to go a little fast. This is why we see that Paul, being the apostle and a Jewish apostle, knowing that he's going to go minister to Jewish people, he takes him. You want to hear this? He takes Timothy, the young disciple, who he sees has hope, has energy, and he's going to become prolific for God. And he takes him as a young disciple and makes him a great disciple, so much so that that great disciple becomes a pastor of Ephesus. So therefore, when we begin to look at young adults, we know that God's got something great inside of you. Everybody with me? So in the process of Paul doing that, he recognizes now, if we're going to go and minister to Jews, you won't, no, please don't miss this. He circumcises him. Now, I don't know what that's like as a grown-up, amen? (laughs) 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 That's, I, I, There is, let me say something. There is no Google images on that. Are you with me, right? That's something, that's something I can't quite imagine. The issue here is, I want you to catch this. Please hear this. So he circumcised him, but let me tell you why in the background. The church at Jerusalem has just said it is no longer necessary for people to be circumcised. So why is Paul now taking him and circumcising him? I'm about to make this so 2018 in a minute. Is because he was going to minister to Jews. So therefore, in order to minister to people that may have biases, that may not look well at you, because they knew, the Bible says in that scripture, verse 1 and verse 3, they knew his father was a Greek. In other words, you're going to already be shunned before you ever get there. Oh, yeah, you know, Timothy, you know, Paul's coming. He's got this young guy with him, but you know his father's a Greek. Are you with me? In other words, he's not adhering to the laws by which we know Moses has given us, so we don't really want to hear anything he has to say. 
In other words, he's being shunned because of his background, because of his ethnicity, and he hasn't even got there or arrived at because his daddy was a certain thing. Whoa! Glory to God. But what we want you to know at BCC, turn your name and say, praise God. God. That's why this is our number two core value. (laughs) It's because we believe in being multi-ethnic. We plan on being what? How many understand that sister is an American of African descent? We've got Eric back. Come on, let's give it up for Eric who's back with us. Amen. Eric is of Latino descent, and I still don't know what Monique is. Are you with me? Amen. (laughs) He said, Jose don't know. You know, the beauty of this is, well, we're going to come together and be in one. Not based on skin tone, shade tone, denomination, ethnicity, what language you use or, or whatever. I want to come into a place where I just feel at home. Oh, praise the Lord. Are you with me? Because young adult people as such as disciples, we've got to have a young perspective. We've got to have a global perspective. Well, what kind of perspective? Global. Our God is global. He's not local. Our God is what? He's not limited to what? And sometimes we get so locked into where I'm from, me and mine, and this is my kind, that we even pay attention to signs. Are you with me? Well, I only go to Baptist churches. Right? Well, you know, I'm, well, we were raised a certain... How many of you know you can't raise a Christian? Ooh, I'm preaching. You can't raise a Christian. You can raise a person in the admonition and character of the Lord. You can even train them up in the way in which he shall go. But they've got to establish their own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Everybody with me? And that's why Timothy, he gets the legacy of his mother and his grandmother, but you see something in him. And that's why I love coming to college, right? Because all of a sudden... Now you don't hop in the car, the SUV with mom and them to go to church. You got to start coming on your own. (laughs) How many understand you go to a Bible study, you got to go on your own? (laughs) How many understand, yes, you've got this many classes, this many credits, but you've got to decide, I'm going to go and spend time this one-on-one with this person that's discipling me. Everybody with me? Somebody say amen. amen. So therefore, we're talking about, listen, right here in the New Testament, Acts chapter 15, we see a multi-ethnic existence emerging in Christ. Where? Emerging where? In Christ. You see, in the Old Testament, it was always about lands and regions and Babylonians and, you know, all of those. But now, in Christ, in the New Testament, in the new covenant that Jesus ushers in, he wants all people to be in him by one spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Is everybody with me? There's no more divisions. There's no more isms and schisms. There's no more yous and theys. It's just us. Come on, somebody. So therefore, you've got to begin to wonder, you know what, what what kind of believer am I? Is in my phone list only the people that look like me, talk like me, walk like me, believe like me, or do I have anything outside of that in my phone list that challenges me? (laughs) Somebody say amen. Are you ready? I want to show you two revelations. <laughs> Me and Sister Anna was driving. I might cry. That's okay. Listen. Me and Sister Anna was driving down the road the other day, 
and I don't even know why we were talking about whatever we were talking about. Somebody was either praying with us or we were praying for us. I don't know what was going on. I just know we were in the car and I was driving. And how many know you're not supposed to uh, text and drive? Are everybody with me? Okay, so what I really mean is I don't text and drive while Sister Anna's in the car. Amen? Amen. <laughs> so, so I'm not advocating that you do that. <laughs> what I'm simply saying is I said, Sister Anna, please take this note down. Right? Let me tell you why. Look at this. Here's why that P means prophetic, R means revelation right from the scriptures. By Tim, notice I didn't call him Timothy because I want you to think about a real guy, real life. By Tim being a minority to minister to the majority, he has to take sacrifices he has to make just to fit in. Oh, my God. Whoa, Lord, I don't know if you're even hearing what I'm saying in that. I'm speaking and yelling and I'm speaking about every minority and every majority of how we class in relationship to one another. You see, when you come in and the whole classroom and you've got 600 of them and there's only five that even remotely look like you, you begin to feel like you're drowning and say it's just a skin color. It's good when you feel that way on your majority, but you don't feel that way when you are minority. You begin to feel different, speak different. You don't know if you fit in. You know if you don't know if you're going to be judged. You don't know if they're looking at you when you walk in. Nobody's did anything wrong. Nobody's done anything wrong. But internally, when you're around the masses, you begin to think, I don't fit. I came from St. Louis. I came from Chicago. I came from California. I came from Puerto Rico. I came from Singapore. I came from Asia. I came from China. How am I going to do this? Who's going to be my friend? That's why American of African descent, you could be at Curtis Hall and somebody else could be over in the Memorial Union. You see his color, you'd be like. <laughs> Come on. So how much more? Listen, how much more? Is Timothy feeling that? That he's got both of them inside of him. Am I more Jewish or am I more Greek? Do I disrespect my father and be like what my mother? You see, what happens when the world begins to populate not just outside of you, but on the inside of you? Come on, somebody. That's a good word. It's a powerful word. Scripturally, I want both of us to understand this is not a, a, a point against majority because I want you to hear this. Just make sure when you talk about majority, as a good conversation we had on yesterday, there are so many wonderful, tender believers that have become so much more closer to me and Sister Anna that are not of my ethnicity because it's not that I don't see ethnicity. It's just that I see Jesus Christ beyond ethnicity. Mm -hmm. Somebody say amen. amen. How many understand that the God parents of our children is not based on color, it's based on Christ? How many understand the people, God forbid, that we were ever to pass, the people that are supposed to take care of our estate may not look like us, may not even be our own blood nature, but they're certainly the spirit nature that we have. Is everybody with me? You see, it ought to manifest in your real life decisions. 
And BCC wants to be a church that's multi-ethnic. We want to be what? Come on, you can say it. We want to be what? And in what we see in Timothy here is that here he is, a multi-ethnic person. And in the emerging of the New Testament of what Jesus is about to do, he accepted the sacrifice of circumcision so that he could be a benefit to bless the body of the Jews. <laughs> what are you giving up so that you can be a greater benefit for Christ? Come on, somebody. That's a good word. Look at this. This is the part I want you to hear. You can come up, Sister Carla, at this time. Yet no sacrifice is without a much greater than investment or harvest. So I want you to get this principle down. You can never make a greater sacrifice more than the harvest. Repeat this again. Say, I cannot, I cannot ever sacrifice, ever sacrifice greater, greater than the harvest. Let me understand that no matter what you're willing to give up, what you are willing to give up is going to produce a far greater harvest. People, don't, don't go to BCC because we don't have gospel music. Seriously, right? That's not what we are. That's not who we are. Are you with me? We've got to make decisions that's going to be able to bless the calling of God on our lives, which is going to be able to reach way beyond who we are and what we are. Because the sacrifice is going to produce a far greater what? A far greater what? Now, the really best way to understand things oftentimes, could I have that microphone? Is to understand testimony. Say testimony. I wish that this wasn't about me, but I really wish that you hear Jesus. I want you to hear what? Jesus. I want you to hear this tremendous testimony. Okay. Um, so I was raised on a farm in Missouri by parents who were born in 1937 and 1938. So just a little historical information about that. And so my, uh, when we talk about things like people of color or racism and those kinds of things, I was really raised in an environment like that. My dad's side of the family, it was pretty overt. I, I grew up um, hearing lots of expressions, lots of attitudes, lots of behaviors. My mom's side of the family was a little more overt, uh, so you didn't quite know it was there, but it was there. And anyway, so that's how I grew up. That, that's what it was. That's how I grew up. I don't know when it happened, but at some point in time, God just healed me of that. I kind of think about it as um, uh, like if you're just suddenly healed from, I, I don't know, like um, chewing on ice or whatever it is. God just healed me of these racial, racist attitudes. And I don't know when it happened or how it happened or where it happened. It just happened. But anyway, so this is the, I grew up in this environment. And um, so when I married my husband and he was Methodist, my parents thought I was going to hell in a handbasket because I was going to be going to the Methodist church. Boy, did they have no idea what was going to end up happening. But anyway, so when Catherine got married, um, mom said to me, she goes, we really want after the, the church or after this uh, wedding to go back to your place and go to, the, uh, go to your church. I said, what do you mean you want to go to my church? 
And I reminded her like four or five times. Finally, I just said, Mom, you understand my church is multi-ethnic. You understand that we do. No, I wasn't. I, w- I just want to be next to you. That's okay. Fine. Okay. Yeah, you understand that we like pray in tongues and we have wild music and we raise hands and my pastor's black. <laughs> and uh, she goes, oh, no, we thought that. We thought that. <laughs> I know my husband's laughing because he can hear my mom saying that. Anyway, so it was very important for them to come to our church, which was the first time it's ever really been important for my parents to come to my church. They, they are strong Christians, but again, you have historically where they come from. Anyway, so they came, and then a couple of days later, I was talking to mom, and she goes, your dad loved your church. In fact, the first thing dad said to me, he goes, boy, your pastor, he preaches the word. He has the word of God. He uses like Bible all over, and I'm like, yeah, dad, <laughs> you did raise me. Anyway, and mom, and mom just said, you know, my dad's an old farmer, and she goes, he's never used the word love to describe anything. That's, that would not be, he would say, oh, that's very nice, or that was, well, basically would say, well, it's pretty good, it's pretty good. But um, he said he loved this church. Yes, Lord. And then when I was home this summer, we were talking about it again, and um, you had made a comment about people said that you look like Sammy Davis Jr. On a, in a sermon. And so <laughs> you did. You did. So I. Sister Vanessa, I need you to take names. <laughs> anyway, so I was saying that to my parents. We were sitting around the kitchen table. Listen up. Listen up. And they both looked at me really funny. And my dad said, Sammy Davis Jr.? And my mom said, I, I would never think of Sammy Davis Jr. when I see your pastor. I see Jesus in your pastor's face. That's healing. Amen. Come on, let's give God a big praise off of Jesus, man. Here's the part that she left out that I think becomes radiant for all of us in here is that she said, she, this is, she said it just like that, but then she turned to me with a tear and she said, well, Pastor, you need to understand my mom and like her brothers and uncles and then my uncles, they were in the Ku Klux Klan. Now, before you take a racial place on that, like, mm, you know, and all, oh, no, don't do that. Don't put natural stuff in what just happened. There was no march that did that. I'm not putting that down. There was no rights rally that did that. I'm not putting that down. Her parents, in a multi-ethnic expression of Jesus, sees an American of African descent, and says, I see the face of Jesus. 
Which is to say that means they obviously didn't see me, but they saw he that is within me. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. What transforms you from not being who you think you are to being who Jesus says that you are? Isn't that the very destiny according to Romans chapter 8, that we may be destined to be conformed into the image of the one who created us? Colossians chapter 3. We are going to become the one who created us. That's who we're supposed to look like. Like, that's who we're supposed to talk like. That's who we're supposed to act like. And by golly, that's when they begin to see. That's Jesus I see. Now that's a living testimony that we might offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Oh, you need to understand. Everybody say visions and dreams. Visions and dreams. Verse chapter 9. Look at verse 9. I'll skip over the middle part. Look at verse 9 again. We're going to go back to visions again. Everybody say vision. I say vision. In verse 9, the Bible says, and Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia who was calling out and saying, come over here to us. Come over here to us. Oh, I see you, Holy Spirit. I got you. He says, come over here to us. And the Bible goes on to say, look at this. The Bible says, by, I say, by faith, Paul received a vision from the Holy Spirit and took actions to follow and obey. Paul received a what? Come on, speak out to me. Paul received a what? Paul received a what? And he received a vision by the Holy Spirit and he took actions. He took what? To follow and what? I don't want you to miss this. This is just straight scripture. It said they decided to leave after the vision. They decided to leave for Macedonia at once. Having concluded that God was calling us to preach the word, the good news there. Everybody said amen. amen. You see, when you have a vision or a dream, anybody can have that. But you've got to begin to obey what the vision began to say. You've got to put some, some, some feet to this, some thought to this. God, lead me how to do it. They said they left at once. God speaks the language of dreams and visions. I will pour out of my spirit upon flesh and they will have visions and dreams. I'm not saying that I was filled with the spirit by any means. But I will say this. Some of y'all heard this before. You say, why did I have her tell that testimony? Why is it such a big deal? Because you don't know everything that's been sacrificed in order for that testimony to come to pass. You don't maybe know the nights 
that have been gone, staying up all night long to make sure I get this one picture right so my European descent brothers can get it. How much hours it takes. No, we can't do that type of song. We got to do this type of song, this kind of style. You don't know what it takes of making sure I listen to people that talk a language because I don't always talk the right way. We understand there are sacrifices that people are making that God might get a glory of one expression of all people, of all nationalities, of all tribes, of all languages, of all tongues, so that we might all have an expression to give God glory. When I was nine years old, eight or nine, don't even know if I knew God or not, but I said to God, as a little black boy I said you know what when I grow up I want to teach white people that black people are good what is an 8 year old thinking like that for please there's no need for you to judge that but what is an 8 year old and a 9 year old thinking that when he grows up he wants to teach white people that black people are good look at the established thought product there it starts from the point that I know black people are good. It starts from the point of thinking that white people must think that black people are bad. But I need you to understand, none of that is possible without the Holy Spirit coming upon us in the fullness and Jesus Christ giving us step by step that the good steps of a man are ordered of the Lord and in his way does he delight to bring about in a 2% black state where people come together of all nationalities, of all ethnicities and become what has been known as a church that looks like heaven because Jesus is Lord and he had a covenant. Because the covenant of the New Testament is that he was looking for all people to become one. Say, I have value. Say, Jesus sees me. Now get this. Say, Jesus sees me and he's in me for others to see him in me. Come to the Lord. Give the Lord a big praise offering Jesus. Stand to your feet. your next screen can you go to thank you next screen praise and worship team are you up here say to study say to study we've just studied about three verses a doxology means to praise to bless to give glory to God and what we just went over was this we want you to become closer to God. We want you to become what? Closer to God. So you might be here today and you're a young adult or a growing younger disciple in Christ Jesus. And you didn't know that God has his eyes on you. But Paul saw Timothy and saw, the scripture even said that he was favored in those towns. He was well thought of. Young adult disciple, we don't think less of you. We think well of you. Somebody say amen. You could be anywhere else. 
then it says, you may be now be living in or facing the multi-ethnicity with new ideology, a revelation of word and truth, your own identity as a minority or as a majority of how do you fit in. If that's you today, we might sing a couple of choruses, but the minister's prayer and altar call team are going to come forward. And if you're in here today and you're just, you know what, that touched me. I want God to do a new work in me. You know what? Every time this subject gets brought up, I start feeling uncomfortable. I start feeling guilty like, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. And why are we still talking? You know what? May God bring shalom, peace in every heart. May I learn how to pick up young adults and encourage them in their faith rather than say what they're not doing right. If you're a young adult and you're in the midst of how do I deal with this in my life? You ought to come after the chorus. Minister's Prayer and Altar Call Team, please come forward now. Let's go ahead and sing. 